questions the lens of beauty and power you'll hear unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries interwoven with my own mental health story lessons and philosophies I really want to talk about the societal perception and the oftentimes uncomfortable commentary that arises around mental health and especially around mental health illness There isn't one way to talk about this. It's really complex and layered. And when I say that, I mean, when I describe what commentary is, I mean responses, I mean reactions, I mean general conversation, I mean passers-by, I mean strangers, I mean family, friends, media. And when I use adjectives to describe that commentary, sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's ludicrous, sometimes it's ignorant, and sometimes it's just coming from a place of negligence or lack of awareness. And it can make me feel all different types of ways. Sometimes it makes me angry. Sometimes it just makes me afraid, sad, annoyed, irritated. I mean, there are so many different ways to approach this issue. And I think, you know, for me, the purpose of talking about it here is to aid people in navigating the landscape, the landscape themselves, whether they're coming from the place of someone like me who is informed and who is coming up against a lot of pushback and misunderstanding and to also help those who don't understand um, have a better perspective um, and also to encourage them to encourage you to educate yourself there is a lot of material out there far beyond this podcast and I believe it's all of our rights and all of our duties to be well informed before we speak and hopefully when we speak we are coming from a place of knowledge and if we don't know what we're talking about we're instead coming from a place of curiosity and I think just taking a step back and realizing recognizing that you know we're not necessarily entitled to always speak there's something to be said for listening there's something to be said for silence. I wish we were all a little more fluent in silence. So, you know, when I was more in the shadows around my mental health and about, you know, bipolar disorder in general, which was really like just before March, I came across a lot of statements that made me uncomfortable, but because I wasn't open about my mental health, I felt this kind of pushback within myself and it was really frustrating because I had a lot to say in response but because I wasn't comfortable because I was still in this space of fear um, I would hold back 
Whereas now I'm much more open. I, you know, have publicized my bipolar disorder. And so there are all these different feelings that crop up. Part of me is still existing in that shadow of, well, I don't want to go there because it makes me emotional. Part of me feels a duty and a responsibility to respond from a place that feels a little more educational. And part of me just wants to get into it, have a challenging conversation, you know, create stimulus. All of these things are kind of like swarming inside of me when I hear someone say something problematic. And as of late, it's happened a lot around the mass shootings. A lot of people make claims that, you know, violent people are crazy and manic or that they act bipolar, that they're so bipolar. And that is on a personal level offensive, but it also distracts from a lot of the real bigger issues in our society. And that's really frustrating that people have the audacity to use mental health, something that they're oftentimes really not very educated on, as the excuse for behavior around guns, right? So that has been really um, front of mind lately, not necessarily by choice, but just literally like being in the gym and overhearing conversations. Um, and then, of course, there are just times at dinner parties or meeting friends of friends where, you know, recently someone was talking about an ex-girlfriend and how, you know, she was just so bipolar. She was kind of bipolar in, in her mood and in the way that she acted. And, you know, I doubt that this person was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I suppose it's possible, but based on the language that was used, this sounded like some kind of just self, you know, decided um, diagnosis. And I don't even know if it was that serious. I think oftentimes bipolar is used as an adjective. It's used to describe someone's behavior or personality. And that's not what bipolar disorder is. Bipolar disorder is a noun. It is like any disorder in that it is something that someone manages, suffers with, deals with, copes with. Um, it, it, it belongs to the person. And I think that in and of itself is a form of acknowledging empowerment that we can own what we have to bear. And that's one of the first steps in healing. So I think it's really important that even in everyday language that there is an acknowledgement of that. And then, of course, there's the way that mental health and mental illnesses are discussed in mainstream media. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I have watched a movie or a show or some piece of media and actually been enjoying it before something was said that was just totally offensive. Um, my husband and I were recently, you know, I, we were not very invested in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, to be honest, but uh, we did watch this one clip because it was um, it, regarding, you know, psychology and we both have an interest there. And it was frustrating because not only did the lawyer make this mistake, but the psychologist also made the mistake of 
using borderline disorder and bipolar disorder as synonyms and actually using them interchangeably. And they're both very different conditions. Uh, they're, they're actually in different categories entirely, oftentimes misdiagnosed problematically because um, they're typically medicated differently. So it was just so problematic that these two like supposedly you know legitimate people were throwing around disorders as if they were the same and that in of itself is one of the reasons why people struggle so much with western medicine a lot of people don't trust doctors they don't trust medication because they're misdiagnosed or because whatever they're dealing with isn't taken seriously and so to see mental health talked about in these very serious spaces improperly and inappropriately is incredibly frustrating and I think I could come from that place of frustration which generally I think just shifts into bitterness and doesn't help any of us and you know to that end I really make an effort to take a deep breath take a step back and consider where people are coming from and they're just not coming from the same place it's like one of the main topics of this podcast is perspective and how we all have a different perspective and no one perspective is right or wrong and it's not possible for any of us to have complete influence over one another and if we were to do that anyway, it would make the world a lot less interesting. So I instead hope that, you know, these people reach a point of, um, I don't know, epiphany, <laughs> enlightenment, just to the point where they understand the definition of mental health, the definition of a mental illness, and why it's important to not place it on another person. None of us can diagnose a person unless we have the credentials and you know the background to do so it's just not our right and so um I think you know leading with that hope and leading with that um realistic optimism is really important um and you know I, I recently talked um on a podcast about dealing with the perception from friends and family, people you're close to who might not understand. And admittedly, you know, even before I was more open about my bipolar disorder, there were these private conversations I had in intimate spaces with family and friends where there would be a little bit of tension because the response wasn't really what I was looking for. And I think that there is that thing when you go to someone with information, when you decide to, you know, bear your soul or share something that's really important to you. I think a lot of us want something out of that conversation, but we don't ask for it. You know, I've started doing this thing recently where if someone is hurting or someone's having a hard time, I'll say, how do you want me to move through this with you? Do you want me to give you advice? Do you want me to feel through it with you? Do you want me to just 
be here to just listen how do you want me to be your friend or how do you want me to be your wife or your sister what what can I do for you because I have that tendency to like grab the steering wheel and drive the car with them you know be like maybe you should turn left or go up that hill you know this is this is what I think this is how I think you can feel better because I'm really passionate and eager and I want everything to be okay and I feel like I have to do everything I can to make it okay you know I gotta fix it but not everyone wants you to fix it some people just want you to feel it and I have realized that there's actually a lot of power in just being like oh my gosh I feel for you and I love you or you know here's a gift or let's go on a walk here just have my time you know um, or just getting as angry as them about whatever it is they're struggling with it with so that they can feel alleviated sometimes by feeling the feeling for people they don't have to feel it as deeply you know and so in hindsight, going to people with information, it might have been helpful to first say, hey, I actually just want you to know this about me so that if in some instance I'm going through an episode or so that if for some reason um, I'm in a place of darkness, you have the awareness. Maybe that's the reason, right? Or maybe it's just, hey, I just want you to know this because you matter to me. Or, hey, I actually want your feedback. How do you feel about this? But oftentimes, I didn't really want feedback. And it is really interesting. You probably feel this way too. A lot of times when we share information with people, their knee jerk is, oh, I know someone or I had an experience that could somehow relate to you. And I think it's actually one of the worst responses I, I could possibly get. Um, I don't really want to know about your friend from high school who um, was diagnosed with bipolar. It doesn't do anything for me, you know? And if you're, if you're trying to respond um, for me or for our relationship, all you're doing is taking the attention from the velocity of what I just told you. And I think for a lot of people that might be um, a comfort tactic, like it makes them feel better to somehow find a way to relate. And I get that and I respect that. But the fact is, it just is uncomfortable. It is new. It is surprising to a lot of people. And it's best to just sit in that together. That's what really strengthens relationships and so the best responses I got were of course from the people closest to me you know hey thank you so much for sharing and I'm here for you or that is good to know but I look at you exactly the same or I love you even more that makes you even more interesting or tell me more about that what has that been like or oh my gosh wow that's just that's a lot of information, <laughs> you know? I mean, I think just whatever the authentic response is in the body, in the mind, in the heart, that's what I want to know, you know? And I think that that's, that's how a lot of people feel. Can't speak on, on, on behalf of everyone, right? But for that reason, again, telling people what you want is so important. It's like the secret sauce to relationships. 
we have all of these expectations in place and all of these hopes and dreams for how people will act and and how people will behave and and feel and respond and it's it's like it's not really fair you know because no one's a mind reader I know I can be that way where I just hope that someone will do something for me and it's like it's so unreasonable you know so I think giving that people space and giving them you know the, the ingredients to what you need and to who you are is crucial to the conversation. And to that end, I think it's really important to talk about judgment and analysis. And, you know, this comes up a lot in my life. I think it does, you know, for a lot of people. I was talking to someone recently about reality TV and I have come to the conclusion that a lot of us enjoy it because we feel this permission to judge. I mean, we're, we're given this access, this like invitation to really intimate parts of strangers' lives. And so, of course, we're going to have judgments. And we can because we're just looking at a screen, you know? I don't, it's not the same in real life. Um, I mean, we do judge. A lot of us come from that place it's only human but I think if there's like a beat you know if there's like a moment that happens between whatever it is we're perceiving and our response then we can instead replace that judgment with curiosity like a seeking to know more and a seeking to to gain deeper understanding And I think that that can really combat and negate judgment. And it can aid the person, the the receiver or the person that's hoping to feel seen. It can aid them in having a deeper reliance on you. You know, like a deeper faith. Like if I tell you something or if I act a certain way in front of you and instead of, of you kind of just knee jerk responding but rather asking me more questions or even just practicing that silence so that I can further explain it allows us to have more of a conversation and to develop deeper trust in one another and I think just as much it's it's the other person's duty to you know try to not go into that place of defensiveness we know it's possible where even if you lead with curiosity and grace, you'll say something that is offensive, you know? And we don't want this to be a situation where you're just walking around on eggshells. And so it's also my right, my duty, if I'm the person that's, you know, burying my soul, to lead with that same level of curiosity. I think I, you know, in the past, if I've ever come from a place of defensiveness, it's out of this sort of, oppression and victimization you know as a black woman sitting you know closer to the bottom of the totem pole um that exists in our society you know we're oftentimes told that it's not okay to feel the way we feel or there's nothing that can be done about it and so there's this frenetic need this energy to explain myself to justify to make sure that everyone knows like this is important you must know how important this is but if I instead come from the place of 
you know, ease and peace and grace all interwoven through that curiosity, then I have a much better chance at showing who I really am and at sharing what I have to say and what my story is about. And that's what can really shift that perspective to the point where people still are who they are. You don't want to lose that. But their horizon expands, you know, and it's like shared. It can be a really beautiful experience. And so to wrap this up in a bow, and I don't like bows, and I've said that before, but, you know, it's, it's an English saying, so it is what it is. <laughs> I think it's all about curiosity, and it's about curiosity for everybody, including the person who might have a deeper level of understanding. We all have those things that we know truly and deeply and that we, you know, invest a lot of our time into. There's only so much time in the world, right? And so it's only understandable that not everybody has a high-level awareness of mental health or mental illness. And so... The biggest practice for me has been to listen as intently as possible, not just to the person, not just to the stranger or the family friend or the television, but to listen to myself and to listen to what's cropping up in me and to then just ask it a bunch of questions. And, you know, eventually you're going to come to a conclusion that feels like revelation and the really beautiful thing is when you can do that with another thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope that you found some epiphanies yourself and i'm really excited for the next few weeks i am running a race in new hampshire next week it's in mount washington i am running up the hill I probably will also be walking <laughs> I actually do have a strategy and it, it does include both um, but I'm gonna share what that's all about because a lot of it has to do with my mental health and some of it has been a learning lesson in deciphering that maybe races aren't necessarily for me in this time of my life but this is a bucket list item I'm deeply committed and I'm really excited to see how it challenges me. Um, so I look forward to, to sharing that with you. Also, some really cool interviews coming up. And uh, yeah, just, you know, living life in brutally hot Austin. Uh, they're saying it's one of the hottest summers in the past decade. So that's great. <laughs> um, anyways. If you are in heat, please stay hydrated. It is so important to staying cool. And yeah, I appreciate you immensely. As always, I hope you have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful. Thank you.